Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 246, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Oh, a lot to get into. We will get the very latest on the Dallas Mavericks. All of our Mavs thoughts, of course, coming off of Game 4. But before we do any of that, we've got graduation to get into. We've got a one of the more interesting new restaurants maybe ever opening in Dallas. A shout out for a couple of different things, some special occasions, all sorts of things happening. And we are going to cover it all here on this version of the podcast. But none of it is possible. We can't do any of it without our great sponsors. And that is, of course, why we tell you about Greening Law. If you are hurt in a car accident, again, injured on the premises of a business, they've represented clients. We're talking car accidents, birth injuries, sexual assault cases with clergy or hospitals and all sorts of different things. The Green Team will fight that legal battle for you so that you've got time for healing and renewal. And I can tell you this because I've been working with them now for 10 months And there are things that happen when you are going to a variety of doctors or chiropractors or just the different things that happen after you have a car accident of a significant nature. And man, I'll tell you, it can get frustrating because you may be trying to call and get answers and you're trying and they go, you know what, we've got that. And then all you got to do is email them. Have you heard anything? And they're like, nope, we're still on it. We're still on it. And you're like, man. I'm glad you guys are dealing with that crap so that I don't have to, <laughs> because I'm telling you, it's, it's one of those things you're like, really, man, okay. And, and they do the, all that stuff behind the scenes for you where they are your legal competitor against those insurance companies. Dude, I think the thing about it is sometimes when you're going through a traumatic process like this, you just want somebody who can walk you through it because most of us haven't been through a process like this before, before you go through it. And so when you're in it, it can be a little scary. It can be a little intimidating. You can be a little apprehensive here and there. And I think the green team helps you through that. They give you that peace of mind. They ease your burden. They take care of things. They answer questions for you. They're a resource that's invaluable. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're there to help you just like the other insurance company is battling against you. And so you've got a team of uh, a group of guys, men, women, who are there ready to fight for you and take on all the battles. That's exactly right. It is Robert Greening and his green team. That consultation, absolutely free. 
972-934-8900. Again, the number, write it down. Keep it with you for when you do need it. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, those Dallas Mavericks. They are going back to California to the city that Charles Barkley thinks is disgusting and filled with homeless people. But the Dallas Mavericks have staved off elimination at least for a night as they take down the Golden State Warriors in a game in which they actually end up winning. (laughs) And I chuckle because they end up winning by 10. They go into the fourth quarter up by 29 and Golden State chisels the lead all the way down to eight. And then Jason Kidd looks at Luka, and it's basically like, well, you're going to have to get back in there. And it's almost like Luka gets in the game and is like, all right, fuck this. Give me the ball. Dude. So the score is 99-70. And I go, well, you know, Matt and I said if it was a blowout, Mm -hmm. we might get on halfway through the fourth quarter. So I go – you know, I'm, I'm I'm nervous because it's past my bedtime. Yeah, I can I know. And so I go, I'm just gonna I did something where I was like, I'm just gonna chill here for a minute. I set my alarm just in case I suddenly fell asleep because Matt knows I'll fall asleep in two seconds. Uh but I was just chilling and so I had I wasn't looking at the TV, I was doing something, reading or something. And bro, I looked up and I go why is it a 20-point lead? <laughs> With like nine minutes and 50-something seconds left in the third in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it happened quick. So I looked at the box score. I'm like, man, they've scored nine straight. They've got to 20. They've given them hope. And, you know, when you get hope, now you got to actually play. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, I sent Matt a text. I go, they're going to lose, bro. When you they did cut send it me to, that text. When they cut it to nine, when they got it to like to ten, or eight, I was like, dude, they're going to blow this game. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't looking good, and it was weird because the Mavs obviously pulled their starters. Their main guys were on the bench at the open of the fourth quarter. It, Luca had his full warm-ups on, like, okay, my day's over. The night's over for me. It, you're up by 29. Nobody is thinking this. I mean, the Warriors weren't – Clay Thompson and Steph Curry were sitting on the bench. I mean, yeah, with it, tiles it, over their heads, no yeah. – no, no way in the world they were supposed to come back in the game. And within the first three and a half minutes of the of the fourth quarter, the Warriors go on a 15-2 to two run, and all of a sudden it's 16. And you start looking at it, and you're like, okay, the Mavs all of a sudden have gone ice cold from three. The Warriors' backups are draining everything, and it started getting a little scary, honestly, until they put Luka back in the game. And literally, Luka was the one... I don't know if you heard it on the broadcast. He scored or assisted on the Mavs' final nine points. He he basically came in, said, I'm going to score some points. I'm going to make this happen. Oh, you're open. Make a shot. Bullock hit the three in the corner. Luka drives the lane like on the next possession, loops it around on a pass that, that drew two defenders, gives it to Dorian Finney-Smith, and he generated... I, I'll tell you this. I, I think if Luka hadn't come back in the game, I do think Golden State ends up winning the game. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt, man. And, you know, what happened was as soon as he came back in, he hit a bucket, and then Jalen Brunson drew a charge at the other end, and then they scored another bucket. And that little four-point swing right there was enough to kind of get – kind of steady the tide, I think is a good way to say it, and kind of uh, slow the game down and, and ease the momentum and, and make it more of a game again. But, uh, you know, man, I think um, 
had they won by 25 and it had been a typical 30-point lead victory, I think they'd go into uh, Golden State, San Francisco, the Bay Area, thinking all we got to do is somehow figure out a way to win this one. We can take it back to the crib with a chance to tie the series, all the pressure on the Warriors. But when you basically blow the 30-point lead, I think it's psychologically, I think the Warriors go, well, hell, we damn near won this one. We'll just take care of it when we get to the crib. Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, I will say that it was wild that this is a night in which the Mavs shot 46% from three, really 47%. They were 20 of 43. They shot 50% from the field. And I got to tell you, it was really interesting because until they started to pull away a little bit in the second quarter, I kept looking at this and I was like, man, the Mavs are shooting like 60% from three and the Warriors are right on their heels. And I, I didn't think it was over until they really pulled away in the third quarter when they outscored the Warriors by 14 points. No, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, and you know what happened tonight was Luka didn't necessarily shoot the ball well, uh, didn't score a lot of points, but everybody else, the guys who didn't step up the other night, they they played much better today. Whether it's Finney Smith, whether it's Bullock. Bertans had some good minutes in the first half uh, with buckets, uh, even grabbed an offensive rebound that led to a three by Bullock. Um, so it's it's all the other guys because I think what they end up with six guys in double figures. Yeah, and yeah. it's 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 that's the way they have to play to have any chance to win. Yeah, and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was large tonight. I mean, he was nine to thirteen from the field, had four threes, twenty three points. Reggie Bullock, all of his eighteen points came on six three pointers that he made. I mean, really, when you look at this, Luca, as you mentioned. 30 points on 26 shots, 3 of 11 from the three-point line. If you take away Luca's numbers, oddly enough, from the three-point line, the rest of the team went 27 of 32. I mean, the, the, re the rest of the team only missed five threes. Luca by himself missed eight. Dude, that's, uh, I mean, you know, you, there's going to be some games like that. Um, I think the key thing is, he recognized it, and it, when he came back in the game at crunch time, he was attacking the bucket. Actually got a dunk because of that. You know, everybody thought he was going to take the three. He did a little head fake, went to the lane, and, and uh, went down the lane for an uncontested dunk. Um, they got to get more contributions like that on the road, man. I mean, it's the only way they have a chance to make it interesting. Although, I mean, we can sit up here and go to the series is 3-1. Golden State's in complete control. We're all sitting here going... Well, you know, if you don't blow a 19-point lead in game two, it's 2-2, two -two and you're thinking, hey, it's the best of three. Who wouldn't take that? Yeah, and, and I was just – that last thing that I threw out there, my math was way off on that. I, I don't know where I came up from that. They, it, it's, it's late. Because I was just looking at this like, wait, what? The rest of the team missed five threes. Dorian Finney-Smith missed yeah. three, and Bullock missed four himself. They're actually so. uh, 17 of 32. Yeah, and I said 23. I got the number back. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's okay, man. It is late. It is late, but it, and you're right. I mean, if they don't blow that lead in game two, maybe it's a different series, but they did. It felt like they were going to blow the lead tonight, but they at least are forcing the Warriors, and there's going to be pressure on the Warriors. I mean, there's going to be that pressure of, you better close it out at home, because the last thing you want to do is having to go back to Dallas again for a game six when everybody's going, uh-oh, okay, what's going on here? 
I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I, I don't know that the Mavs are going to come out and shoot the, the ball the way that they shot it tonight. I mean, they were so hot until the fourth quarter. They almost couldn't miss. I mean, that's why they're up 29. They were shooting almost 60% from threes before they went ice cold in the fourth quarter. That's true, man. But, you know, that's, for the most part, that's going to happen with jump shooting teams. And what Jason Kidd is trying to trying his best to get them to realize and understand is that, dude, when we've missed three or four or five in a row as a team, somebody's got to be cognizant enough to go, hey, let's go attack the basket. Let's go attack the, the rim. Let's go get a mid-range jumper. Let's go do something to get an easy bucket. Let us see the ball go through the bucket. Then we can start shooting threes again. Yeah, so I, I don't really know um, what to expect in game five, to be honest with you. It's one of those things – I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I have no idea oh, because think, when the Mavs uh, play the way they played tonight, obviously they're very capable uh, when they're shooting the way they do and the way they live and die by the three, another 43 three-point attempts tonight. When they hit them, they can hang with anybody. When they miss like they have a couple of games so far this series, uh, they're not going to win. No, I mean, I would think the Warriors would win, um, but I thought that uh, you know Phoenix would win game seven. Uh, I don't think the Mavericks fear the road. Mavericks just have to play their game. Their best players have to show up. Their role players have to show up. Um, when I say best players, I'm talking about anybody other than Lucas. Got to show up. Dinwiddie's been playing pretty good in the series. Um, I think it's gonna be tough, 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 tough for them to win Game Five. Uh, Golden State knows how to close folks out, and I would expect Golden State would uh, summon up a mighty punch early. And if you check up midway through the first quarter, just see what the score is and how the Mavericks are hanging. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – you want to believe, you want to think they have that chance. I think most people believe that they were going to sweep and that this would be a 4-0, but they did not. And it opens the door for a chance. And it's like everybody says, at some point it's going to happen, right? I mean, at some point a team's going to come back from three games to none. Wouldn't it be totally Luka for the Mavs to be the team that did it? <laughs> I don't really think they're going to. I, I, <laughs> I but you still. I mean, but see, here's the thing. You, you're like, it's the whole. So you're telling me there's a chance, and yeah, there's a chance. The door is 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 it is it shutting? Yes, but Luca stuck his foot out and kept it from closing all the way, and now he's trying to force that thing open. And you never know. I, I you just never know. I have a hard time believing that you get what you got from the Warriors tonight in game five on their home court because they really, at chunks of this game, kind of seemed disinterested. And it almost felt like it got to a point with the starters where you're like, eh, no big deal. Let's go home and do it. I think you get a lot of that. It's almost like tennis where you're up two sets. And you go, ah, it's okay if they win the third set. We'll go ahead and close it down in the fourth set. I think that was a little bit of the day. You, you come in and you see – are the Mavericks at all interested in winning or playing? And once you figure out that they are, you go, okay, tonight you can have tonight. We'll uh, clean you up on the next go-around. Yeah, and, you know, it was interesting because at, at halftime, that whole weird water delay, and how weird is it that, a, that an arena like the American Airlines Center had that type of a leak in it? I thought that was so odd, man, and the floor is soaking wet, and it leaked – and then you started where they were talking about this on the like Kenny Smith was basically like, yeah, I've been in I've been in three games where there were three delays like this, and the team that was winning uh, gave up the lead, and the other team came back and won on them. Uh, well, that that makes sense because you have such a long time to rest, and if you come out uh, shady in the third quarter, the other team come back. But they came out hot in the third quarter, 
And I was pretty sure that's because Jason Kidd had told him, look, we suck in the third quarter in this series. Golden State is really, really good. They're one of the best third quarter teams in the league all year long. Let's focus. Let's play our best third quarter and uh, see if we can win, win one game. And I think that's what they did. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. I will say this. I don't know. Like, I saw this. as like, really? Is that true? But apparently, Game 5 on Thursday night is scheduled. Well, see, now it says 8 o'clock. But on the, on the TV, it showed 8 Eastern. And I was like, I thought all the games were going to be at the same time. Yeah, I think they are. I think that was a mistake. Yeah, but so they, damn it, because I saw that and I got really excited. I was like, no way they're going to tip at 7. <laughs> but here on, on ESPN.com, it shows 8 o'clock Central Time. So that figures, 8 o'clock on Thursday night, Mavs and Warriors, Game 5. And, and who, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. It's hard with Luka because you just never know. Well, now, you do have the Luka wild card. But again, they're, what are they, 2-6 and six when he scores 40 points? So it seems to me that it's much more about the other guys than it is about Luca. Yeah, I mean, it becomes like you. we've talked about so many times like this that you you need your role players to fulfill their roles and overcome those roles in a sense. Like you need yeah. them to be what you saw tonight. And, and you don't need everybody to do it. That's, that's the one thing that I think is really interesting about this Mavs team is it's kind of gotten to a point we've talked about this. It's not like Brunson was anything special tonight. He gave you 15, 5, and 5. Luka gave you 30, 14, and 9. You finally did not get out-rebounded. It's the first game all series. They did not get out-rebounded. They actually out-rebounded the Warriors 45 to 42. They were more active, I thought, on the offensive glass. They kept the Warriors from getting a lot of those second-chance points. But what you got was you got a little bit from Reggie Bullock. As we talked about, he got hot from three. Dorian Finney-Smith showed up and gave you a little something. So who knows? Maybe the next game, it, it, it Dinwiddie goes off again. Or Kleba. Really what you need is you need Luka to give you his 30. You need a, a Finney-Smith or a Bullock to give you the 20-plus the something that they do. And then you need a couple of guys just to give you 10 to 15. That's a lot to ask, bro. Is it? I mean, is it? Is it a lot to ask a freaking NBA player who makes millions to, to, oh, my God, you have an open shot. Hit four of them. Yeah. I mean, because it's it's hard, man. I think it, it ain't – it's – dude, these guys are – and I ain't mad at them because Mavericks had a great season. But guys are role players. The guys, you know, they are who they are. And you can ask them to be more than that on occasion – but to regularly ask them to be something that they're not is setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. That's why we, that's why we both have one divorce on our ledger, at least. Yeah, well, you know, I, I will sit here and I will tell you, man, as, as we were watching that game and you and I were texting each other and, and you were like, Mavs are going to lose. And I was like, yeah, 29 down to 16. And then I was like, oh, great, now it's eight. And then I texted you, I was like, holy shit, this is getting scary. <laughs> But the Mavs held it off. Luka came in, had that attitude, like, no, we're not losing tonight. Not tonight, friend. And the Mavs prevail. They go back to California for game five Thursday night, 8 o'clock tip. We'll see how, how it turns out. Who knows? Maybe, maybe on Thursday night, you and I will be getting crazy and getting ready for a game six on, when would game six be? I guess it'd be on Saturday, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be on Saturday. I mean, they have every right to, uh, to prove us wrong, so go ahead. I'd, be, I'd love for them to. God, what if they do? If they win, if they can go to Golden State and win game five, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like on the, the whole bandwagon of they're, they're doing this thing. <laughs> I'm not getting on there till third quarter of game seven. Third quarter of game seven, the Mavs would have to be winning. Otherwise, you'll never believe. 
There you go. I guess that's how it is for you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. So there you go. It's Thursday, Saturday, and then game seven, if necessary, would be Monday. And then the Mavs would start the NBA finals on Wednesday, June 2nd. Or I guess that'd be Thursday, June 2nd. So that's what you have to look forward to. All right, yeah, yeah. well, I guess we'll continue. So Mavs win. Yay, Mavs win. And we'll see if Yay. they can. Hey, man, it's better than getting swept. 3-1 is better than getting swept. And now the few people that were tweeting pictures of brooms to me and, like, told you the Mavs couldn't hang, Mavs are going to get swept. I just tweeted back to them, and I said, you were saying? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Because there's right going to be a game five. All right, so before we get into this trip around the block, let's tell you about a couple of our other sponsors here. And I will tell you this because I just got my latest order of Biltong in the mail not that long ago. And I posted a picture. I hope a lot of you saw it on our Instagram at Jam Session Cast. If you follow us on Instagram, I posted a picture of it. And then I did one of those little stories and I opened up the bag and I kind of showed you what the sliced Biltong looks like. And I think you guys can tell with the bruised biltong, you're like, man, that kind of looks like beef jerky, but it, but it isn't, right? Because it's biltong. It's a traditional South African air dried meat. I honestly, like, I think you could tell in the little video that I took that it looks more tender. It looks like it's got more flavor, and it's not as tough as beef jerky. I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'll open a bag of that stuff, and I, I can just <laughs> plow through it. I, I love it. I ate some this afternoon when I got done with my workout. It is uh, it's a terrific snack, man. It's delicious. I rock with the sliced biltong. It's juicy. It's succulent. It's all the things you don't think about when it comes to beef jerky. Uh, because it's not. It's close. Maybe they're cousins, kissing cousins. I don't know. But <laughs> it's delicious. And um, I like it because 40 grams of protein, 230 calories, two-ounce pots. That's perfect for me, middle of the day, as a snack. And it's, uh, it's delicioso, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, think about that. A two-ounce bag, 30 grams of protein. So if you're somebody who needs one of those midday snacks, you know, you can take it with you at work. It, it's filling. It's tasty. It's. I really, really think you're going to enjoy it. Zero sugar, no artificial ingredients. It's online at bruisebiltong.com. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. 15% off. Use the promo code JAM15. Every time, I use it every time I order it. It's 15% off, jam 15 at checkout. It doesn't get any better than that. So try it right now. Everybody rush to the internet, go to bruisebiltong.com and get yours. Also, of course, how about JR and his guys, his crew over there at Freeway Tire Shop? Now, it's interesting. Did you see that text that I sent you? That message we yeah, got on Instagram? <laughs> I was cracking up. Now, it's funny because we always talk about how it's like almost all the time it feels like, and we say it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, right, that Jacques always has a car there. He doesn't literally always have a car there, but he has six cars. Cars need service quite often. There's different things that happen. You need oil changes. Hell, I don't live in Texas anymore, and I've got to go get tires for our car tomorrow, and I wish, I, trust me, I wish I could drive to Freeway Tire Shop. Because I've gotten a couple of quotes from places around here, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to suck. <laughs> well, what it is, man, and, and here's the deal. I thank you for – and that was a legitimate question in, in some ways because it was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the bottom line is when you've got cars, and what I've got is um, – because people say, well, you've got six cars. Oh, my God. we got to understand. I got a 2011 Jag. I got a 2012 Honda. I got a 2013 Challenger. 2004 Expedition, 2009 Porsche, and a 2004 Cadillac. What does that say, Matt? All them cars are 10 years old. <laughs> so they're all paid for, 
And so, you know, you end up with a little bit here and a little bit there. And the reason I like JR is when you got an older cars, something's always wrong with them or something always got to be replaced. And when you got five or six of them, you've always got to replace something on one of them. Um, and so I, that's why I go to JR because I can trust him to handle whatever any of those types of cars has, the issue they has. He can handle it, man. Because y'all know it's the four T's, baby. I trust him to diagnose the issue. I trust him to use quality parts. I trust him to charge me a fair friggin' price. And then I trust my man JR and Freeway Tire to stand behind their work. He hits it out of the park every time. And that's why I take my six cars to him. I like it. It works for me. Trust me, I wish I could take my cars to him, but that'd be quite the drive to drop it off for an oil change. <laughs> yeah, it would be 10 hours, 12 hours for oil change. <laughs> From where One I am. One way. But yeah. just north of downtown Dallas is JR. His guy is right there. It's the best customer service that you'll ever experience at a shop like that. The mechanic you can trust. Check him out online at Freeway Tire Shop, freewaytireshop.com. So it's funny because we jump on today and you go, man, what day is it? Like, God, I've had a whirlwind of a time. And that, of course, and we talked about it on the last podcast. Your son had his prom and... We are recording this on Tuesday evening, and of course, yesterday, your son graduated. He is officially a grown-ass adult. He has a high school degree, and he is on his way to college. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an emotional day out there at uh, Globe Life. What is it, man? What's Globe Life state? Field. Is it, wait, are they doing the new one or the old one? No, they did it at the new one. Okay, that's GILF. That's Globe Life Field. Oh, is that the name of it? They Gilf? call it the GILF, yeah. Okay, somebody at the ticket had to come up yes, with Yes, they did, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, so we're at the GILF. Uh, so that's where the graduation took place, man. And, you know, dude, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wild all the way around. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting day. And, um, you know, it brought back a lot of memories. And uh, I handled it, uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I got to tell you, I've been an emotional wreck for the last week, man. Uh, but maybe I got through all of that because graduation wasn't really that hard. I had about a 30-second stretch where I was like, oh, wow, okay, uh-huh. But outside of that, it wasn't too bad. And the thing about I'd done some recon, man. And so I talked to uh, the principal of his of the 12th grade who, who had actually been at the middle school, so I've known him for a minute. And I said, give me all the intel. At graduation, where do I need to sit? And so he told me the section I needed to sit in. 110, 111, 112. He said, if you do that, you'll be perfect. So we uh, passed that on to everybody because uh, we had a pretty good group. Uh, we had my family, my dad and his wife uh, came down. My brother flew in from uh, with his daughter from Phoenix. And then uh, we had, uh, I don't know, three or four other family friends come. So it was a, it was a good crowd for, uh, for my dude. And uh, I got to tell you, man. I can't imagine going through graduation as a as an observer without before we had the cell phone era. Mm -hmm. Because if can I be honest? Yeah. This, we're just friends here. I ain't listening to nobody until it was time to start reading names. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen oh let me let me rephrase that. I listened to some of the speeches long enough to see if somebody really had some original thoughts. Uh, and that's not a knock on any of the people who wrote speeches, but they're all the same. Oh, I'm so proud of everybody in this class. Well, you only know 10% of people in your class anyway. 
And, uh, you know, everybody in this class will go out and be successful and change the world. Well, we know that's probably not going to happen. Now, I'm a jaded old man. man so I'm I was going to say, that. God, listen to you. And uh, I didn't say, I just kept those thoughts to myself. I didn't say it to anybody because somebody in that class will change. You know, there'll be some people in there who have tremendous success and do something that's noteworthy. And then there'll be some, like every class, there'll be some bums in there and everything else. But, uh, you know, man, it was... It was a long day, so I was like, can we get on to the name calling? <laughs> okay. Uh, were you paid? Uh, now, nah, I think it's different if you're in it, but uh, once they finally started calling the names, you know, I got a T. And there was, how many people were in your graduating class? Because Rockwall's grown, but it wasn't huge when no, you went. No, no. I mean, you got to realize that now there's two schools as well. And, and when I was in right. high school, there was only one high school in Rockwall, and our graduating class was right around like 360. Okay, that's not that's still not too bad though. Yeah, not I mean, and, and that's what's funny is like when our valedictorian got up there, I still remember his name, and when he was like, oh, "So many of you," and we we for the most part, we probably I would guarantee you that out of the three hundred and sixty people in my class, I probably knew the names of close to three hundred of them. Oh, okay, but now I would imagine is that also because y'all went to Rockwall Middle School together and. Well, to some degree, yeah, there was a couple of different middle schools, but it, it was just, it's one of those things where Rockwall was so small at the time, and I don't know, it was just, for whatever reason, I, I think you just kind of had an idea, and, and granted, I also was one of those people that I didn't think I was better than anybody else. I was in theater, so I was kind of visible. I think a lot of people knew who I was without me being popular, if that makes sense. Right. Just because right, I, right. you know, I, I was on stage and I was the class clown and I, I did all that type of stuff to get attention. And so I kind of knew a lot of people just from doing a variety of different things through the years. Because I didn't move to Rockwell until seventh grade. And I went to Williams Middle School. And I want to say at the time there was one more middle school out there. But maybe not. Maybe there was just one middle school. I can't remember right. back then. Um, so I get it. Uh, I had, seems like the number 7-Eleven is stuck in my head. Damn, really? But, yeah, because I, you know, I went to Skyline and we had more than four thousand students, and so I think I know we had more than seven hundred. I know that for a fact. The number seven eleven sticks in my head. The other number in my head is seven forty. So for whatever that means, uh, it, it was one of those. But um, so I, I was so you know so anyway, graduation service was fine. I actually asked my dad, like. So I'm telling you, I didn't listen to much of the speeches. I listened to snippets of them, but I didn't really listen to them. Because then I was thinking back to my high school graduation, 1985. Like, I don't remember. I have no clue who spoke at it. And I don't remember hmm. hardly anything about it. Except I remember throwing the tassel up and uh, the hat up at the end. And that was greatness. And I remember at some point somebody started that chant about the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water left the motherfucker burn. Yeah. Burn, motherfucker, burn. And that chant went on for a moment. Oh, my God. I th you know what? I did not know that that was a thing because you know that they sang. The, there's a band called the Bloodhound Gang that sang a song with that in it. No, I had no idea. But Weird. I know that I know we were chanting that at our graduation. Were you really? And, Did you? What happened? Yeah. Did they like stop the graduation or? No, this was toward the end. Okay. And all by right. then it was all over but the shouting. And then we just, I mean, it became like that uh, Buddhist chant. I mean, we were going crazy. Um, so no, that was, that was fairly amusing. That's what I remember. And then afterward, because remember, this is before cell phones. 
All I have, because I showed it to my dad today, is a great picture, but it's me, my father, his father, and my mother's father. Uh, so two of my two of my grandfathers, because I had three of them, two of them, and uh, you know me and my dad, and uh, that was pretty cool because uh, my dad took a picture with my son, so I kind of posted those today. I think I did. Yeah. Uh, you know about how that is, but I was asking my dad what he remembered about his graduation. Um, and he graduated in 1963, I believe. Yeah, because he's 23 years older than me. So whatever, 63 mm-hmm. or 62, something like that. Uh, and he was like, you know what I remember? I remember that whoever was speaking said, look to the person to the left, look to the person to the right. This is probably the last time you'll ever see that person <laughs> as you go out in the world and try to establish yourself. And my dad said, that proved to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? That is actually really true because I know I can tell you straight out who the two people were that I sat next to. I can tell wow. you the people that were right there because my last name is McLaren. On one side of me was Cindy McClanahan. On the other side of me was Kelly McClendon and then Meredith McQuiston. Those were, I mean, us four right in a row. Wow. Uh, and I, I, haven't seen any, any, I haven't seen any of them other than on <laughs> Facebook since the day we graduated high school. I asked my dude who he sat next to. He's like, I don't know. God, that is and, wild, man. And uh, I sure as hell couldn't remember who I sat next to. I mean, our, our valedictorian's name was Tim was Tim Stahoviak. And our, our salutatorian's no name was Melissa Glaze. I have no idea. <laughs> and uh, I'm not even, I, wonder if my, I wonder if my dude knows who his uh, salutatorian and valedictorian were, or if he was just like so like out that of That is so, I wonder if it's because, I mean, granted, a class of 360 is really not that big. Right. I mean, really, the class of 600. Right. I mean, and if I had twice the class, which I, I, I have no concept of that because that wasn't my high school experience. So I don't know. I right. mean, I, I mean, I had a bunch of different classes that there's 30 kids in a class. I mean, you got to think over the course of a couple of years of high school, you were exposed to most of the people in your class. You would think so. But then again, maybe you weren't. Man. And, um, you know, as a football player, um, his all four years of high school, he may have been. A little more, but although he took a couple AP, AP classes every year, so I don't know. I need to ask him, like, I mean, and you know, I got to say this honestly, man. My dude is a dude of very few words. Man. Ah, yes. And so, like, I would, like, my parents could probably tell you, oh, here, you know, here's his group of friends, their names. Outside, no, check this out, man. Outside of the of the football teammates, like, I can't tell you the names of any of his other friends. Uh, like people who just go to school and don't play football or don't play yeah, sports. Yeah. So I only know the names of teammates. And uh, those are most of his close friends. But, you know, surely he's got some friends or he knows some girls who, you know, I did see him hug several slim bodies yesterday. I'm sure so he maybe did. He's, maybe he's popular with them. I hope uh, so. <laughs> but uh, it was a uh, it was a cool experience. And so they get down there, they call his name and the way they have it set up. Uh, you go through the little line and shake everybody's hand. You get your diploma. You're at home plate. You turn, and there's a camera there to take a picture, which I'm sure they'll send me and ask me to pay for it later. Oh, and as they do that, they flash it all up on the big screen hmm. so you can see it. So that's a pretty cool deal. Um, so at that point, I go, surely he's not going to bust a dance move like several people did or wave or blow kisses. Uh, I said, I'm not sure we'll even get a smile. Maybe we'll just get the straight 
you know, he's got that hard football look. He always tries to give on every picture. But uh, but he gave a big smile. Uh, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, I did the stand-up. I did a long shout. Uh, and then it was over, man. And then was outside taking pictures. And I had briefed him before, man. These pictures are not for you, dog. They're for your family. You might appreciate them in 20 years. So, you know, just stay there and take pictures with as many of your family who wants to take pictures um, because it's really for them and their support of you as you've been growing up. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, so when I walked across the stage when I graduated and they had told us flat out and I, I you know, back Don't then, who knows? Right. And they basically said, we won't give it to you. You won't grab. I was like, well, haven't we technically already graduated? Do you actually have to have the piece of paper? <laughs> But I didn't want to do anything to not get the diploma. So I waited until they gave it to me. And then I turned around and like, you know, just like yelled at the crowd. I was like, wow, yeah. And then I fake tripped, you know, because make sure I got the attention I needed at that you time. You fake in my tripped? Life. Of course I did. My dad, <laughs> this is true. My dad told me straight up, he goes, he goes, you got to moon the crowd. And, and I was like, dad, we can't do that. We'll get like in a lot of trouble. He goes, I'll bail you out, whatever. He's like, it'll be hilarious. <laughs> And I was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're going to check to make sure we at least have pants on or something. Like, if I show up and they're like, why can't we see your ankles? And I, to this day, I'm pretty sure he was dead on. Like, if I had decided to moon the crowd, that he would have just he'd died been, laughing. He'd have been support for you? Yeah, sure. I don't know, man. But it is interesting how graduation, and it's different. With, like, I didn't even go to my college graduation. I just, they mailed oh. me my diploma or my degree or whatever. Yeah, you I think it. about half the people show up for college. Now, I worked so hard to get my college degree, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, y'all gonna give me this. I'm, I'm getting this. I did a big bow when I got the college diploma. Okay. Um, uh, so, so the picture taking is cool. All that's good. Then we went and had dinner downtown. Mexican restaurant El Campuzano is pretty good. Oh, nice. Uh, Clarence and uh, Clarence E. E. Hill Jr. showed up. Uh, Calvin Watkins, who has the honor of having taken my dude's first picture when he was about 10, 10 hours old. Crazy, man. Uh, they showed up. They're, they're both like uncles to my dude. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Calvin's boys and my dude, they've grown up together. I mean, they've been friends since they could talk. Um, and so, uh, so, like I said, they're like uncles. So they came by. So we're having a great dinner. And then it comes to this point. I kind of tinkled a glass. Ding, 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 ding. Mm. Let us all now say a few words about the guest of honor. We'll start with his mother. And by that time, we had about 16, 17 people. So we go all around and say a few words. And then it gets to me. I'm the, I'm the closer, the anchor leg. And I start talking, Matt, and I could feel it coming. Oh, I bet. <laughs> It came out of nowhere, kind of like the force of a summer squall. It was, it was coming. Matter of fact, I stopped and I said, I feel it coming, and I'm not giving in today. Perhaps there will be a trickle, but there will not be a full flow right here, right now. I said, that's why I wrote him a letter earlier this week to get this all out of my system. But uh, my talk to him, man, was just about, I'm so glad that you feel like you found your purpose and you know what you're doing because you're so much farther ahead of the game. And uh, you're a good dude. And I love you, but I also like you. And, uh, you know, that's important. It is. And, and it, it's really graduating from high school is such an interesting time for all of us, I think. Like, I, all of us, I mean, I had family that came in 
not that any of my family lived out of state where they had to fly in or anything like in, in your situation, but my relatives at the time that lived out in East Texas drove in and my, all my, both my aunts and uncles and everybody, everybody that, that was alive at the time was there, you know, and, and came out to support us and, and watch us graduate. And I'll never forget. It was interesting because my grandparents on my dad's side, they gave all of their grandchildren a thousand dollars when they graduated and we could use it for college. Really, they wanted us to use it for college, use it for, for whatever. I ended up using it to help get myself a, a new vehicle. And my my mom's, uh, my aunt that passed away uh, a few months ago, she had her and, and my uncle Shelton, they got me a set of luggage. So that like nice Samsonite luggage. So that, and I had, the, I had that literally until like three or four years ago. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I had that luggage for 20 years that I kept and they got me a luggage set and just like things like that. And people give you money to help you get your life started, get, even if it's just going to college and, and enjoying that time period of your life. And I'll never forget it. I mean, I, it, it was really cool. I had a great evening. I, I remember my dad, I still have the card. My dad wrote me, it was really when I turned 18, but that going through that time of life and he wrote me this like crazy long, filled out this card and, and I've kept it to this day, you know, it was very impactful for me. And I don't know. You think about that and, and the emotions and the cycle of life and everything. And, and it's graduating from high school is, is one of the monumental life events that I think people remember and have detailed memories of because it's such an impactful memory in your life. Now, check this out, dog, because you're very true. I told him uh, and I can't remember if I told you guys this, but I told him uh, after the baccalaureate to uh, to really savor the week and really enjoy the week and embrace it and just just have the time of his life because this is the only time you ever get celebrated like this. Uh, and you don't want to look back and be like, ah, oh, man, I should have went to the picnic or I should have done this or I should have done that. Um, so that was the talk uh, that we had, uh, you know, after the baccalaureate, before the week's activities, including the prime and the graduation stuff. The talk we had when we got back to the house yesterday before he headed out to a party was, hey, uh, this is not for you. It's for everybody else. But remember, let me tell you that this time every year we read about stories of people who graduated and they died a week. I mean, they died a day or two later. Yeah. Because they did something stupid. They were the victim of an accident. There's some beef that somebody had. And now that they're graduated, they can settle this beef. Uh, he had a friend who got shot like that two, two years ago. Uh, got shot after the uh, graduation party. Um, so I was like, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you, you got to be aware. You know, you're going to be at a few parties over the next couple of weeks. Just be aware. You don't like what's going on? Mm. Bounce. It's better for somebody to call you a punk ass bitch and you live to tell about it than not. Yeah. And you hate that you got to have these conversations in today's world, man, but you got to have them. Otherwise, you'll be lamenting the fact that you didn't you didn't have it. And so, you know, I want you to have fun, man, and enjoy it. But I also want you to survive to get to the fall where you can start, you know, chapter two. Yeah, I I am would totally understand. And, and that's. 
you know, thinking back when I graduated after we did the dinner or whatever and family came to the house and all that, and it was a big ordeal. I mean, later that night I went <laughs> and you got to realize like, like when I was in high school, I was a, a goofy dorky kind of guy and, and I hung out with Nick and Brandon and we did not drink. We did not party. We were just, we just weren't into that in high school. And so when I graduated, the night I graduated high school, after I was finally able to get away, I went and met up with Nick and Brandon, and we ended up just sitting out in the back of Brandon's property because Brandon and Nick lived on, somehow they lived on the same street out in the middle of nowhere in McClendon Chisholm, which is outside of Rockwall. <laughs> and now there's a bunch of homes and stuff out there, but back 25 years ago, I mean, their neighborhood was virtually it, and it was a giant field, and so we just went in the field by Brandon's house and, and we pitched a tent and we all just like crashed in the tent and, and stayed up all night talking about what we wanted to do in life and just hanging out with each other. And, and, you know, some people would stop by and, and we'd chat with them and all that, but it was just one of those nights of, man, this is, you know, you had those conversations, like two of my very best friends, like, oh, we're always, we'll be friends forever. And like, man, you think so? You think like 10 years from now, we'll still talk? And like, oh yeah, for sure. And here we are. And in reality of it is, those are the two guys, I mean, to this day that I talk to all the time. Hey man, it's a, it's a blessing. It's, it's a great thing to have friends like that. And you know, that's what uh, high school is all about, man. Sometimes you end up meeting a couple friends that, that you keep for life. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got uh, I've got at least one like that, uh, but the funny thing is we were we were cool in high school, but we've become much better friends now. Uh, my really good friends in high school, uh, we've kind of grown apart, and it's not as I like to say it's nobody's fault. It's just they you know people change and evolve, and what you used to have in common or what connected you then doesn't really connect you anymore. You know, much like I've told y'all, me trying to find a way to connect with my dude now he's yeah. older and he's into different things. And so it's nobody's fault. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it, it is. And and I don't know. It's very interesting for me that I've got that group of friends with a couple of guys like Nick and Brandon and, and a couple of others that I, I have known in some cases since I was 13 years old. And, oh, wow. and we still talk and we're still great friends. It is. It's it's very odd, I think, probably. But there you have it. So the other thing I wanted to bring up here in this trip around the block, outside of graduation, I don't know if you have seen, there's a couple of things actually. So I, I came across this, this article and I thought this is fascinating. Apparently, many of you will be listening to this on Wednesday, May 25th. That is the grand opening of a restaurant in Deep Ellum that is supposed to be, it is one of the most anticipated restaurants in DFW this year. Wow. It's called, it's either Tatsu or Tatsu. It's got to be Tatsu. It's a new Japanese restaurant in Deep Ellum. It has no menu. It does not allow tipping, and it only seats 10 people. Okay, what is it, like $1,000 a plate? It's $170 per person. An 18% service fee is automatically added to every bill. Reservations are for one of two dinners. You can either go at 5.30 or 7.45 p.m., and the meal is expected to take you about an hour and 45 minutes. It is Chef Tatsuya Sikiguchi, who's a Japanese gentleman, apparently, and it's a sushi bar, and they are saying that their goal, they want this restaurant to be the reason why the Michelin Awards come to, to Texas and start giving Michelin stars to Texas restaurants because right now they do not do that. Wow. So think about the level this dude's tried to, to serve sushi on. Ten people. Okay. That's it. I wonder how you sit in, you know, 
see to me this is interesting like yeah when did you what were you doing where you sat around and said hey bro check this out matt what if we had a sushi restaurant and we only let 10 people in there at a time what about that we make it so exclusive that we generate this wait list and all this stuff because we only let 10 people in there and they go wow it must be really great if you only let 10 people in there yeah I don't know. I but mean, that takes balls because most of the time you want your restaurant to be crowded. You want it to be overflowing. You want people with wait lists. Is this and this is to me is kind of the opposite. It's more like the less is more. Yeah, it's really interesting because you'd be looking at that. And, and again, so I mean, obviously, if you're only going to have ten and, and they're pumping it up to this level, so you're doing 170 times ten, so times only two. So you're making thirty four hundred dollars a day. I'm, I'm assuming they're open five days a week. That's seventeen thousand dollars a week. And that's where it gets interesting. I mean, if you're making, what is that, $800,000, $900,000 a year, and that's not pure profit, that's just what you're grossing, what your net would be, I don't know. I mean, how much money would you need? I mean, is that enough? Does that make sense? The, I, that's really, I don't know. That's, that's, and I got to tell you what, I want to pay $170 for sushi. Um, but, if it, but if it's the best sushi ever, which it sounds like it's supposed to be, I mean, if we're talking the level that this is on. Seems to me that that's all part of the the experience thing that we always talk about. Yeah, that's true. You'd be paying partially for the experience. Yeah. For you and somebody else to go, it'd be $340 and then an 18% service fee on top of that. Damn. So you're looking at $400 or whatever for two people to go, and that's including everything? Hmm. Yeah, because it's uh, 34 so yeah, you're right. The tip is 68 That's a lot, man. That is, that's, that's a chunk of change. Yeah, but let's be real, bro. People do that at steakhouses all, all the time. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, if, if you're of that nature where you if don't you're mind. T- if, you're, if you're taking your lady friend to a high-end steakhouse, then you're paying two something before you ever had a drink, typically. If you had an appetizer, two steaks, and the typical steak a la carte menu, and a couple sides, you're probably, at, and then you throw your tip in there, you're probably at 250 or so yeah that's very true so I, again like i was saying i mean if you're willing to get up to a certain price point when you're going out to eat the 300 400 is probably within your range where for an experience like this you're like oh okay cool i can do that yeah i mean you know it's, it's what we always say and most most of people like us you're doing that for an anniversary or a special occasion or you know once every six months you say hey let's go pick a spot spend some money and just have a good time and not worry about it Yep. So um, there you go. Tatsu, if, if that's your choice. And maybe I, I got to give a shout out to my mom and dad because May 25th is their wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to my mom and dad. As you listen to this, they will now be celebrating their 49th wedding anniversary. That's amazing, bro. It is. That is amazing. 49 years ago, they were married. They got married when they were 20 years old. They met when they were 16, and they have been together ever since. Uh, when is their anniversary? It's May 25th. It's, it's Wednesday, May 25th. When everybody's listening to this, it's their anniversary. All right. We may need to have them on the show Thursday talk about this. No, yeah, you think? Bring them on? Uh, yeah, we, we might be able to work that some, out. Some keys to marriage since, uh, you know. We've both failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think honestly, and, and I, I honestly think that in some ways marriage today is just different than marriage when they got married, honestly. And I know maybe that seems weird, but I really think it is. 
Where do you think is the biggest difference? I think there's a lot more distractions now. I, I think it's a lot easier for outside things to happen to a marriage. I mean, I think you really have to wake up and be focused and choose. There's so many different temptations and, and, and ways that people can contact each other and do things. And I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I, I wonder think. if it's harder to go through some of the crap that you really have to go through for a long lasting marriage to be able to have a foundation that you know you can go through anything. I think sometimes it's harder to do that these days and survive it than it used to be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I think the advent of social media has made marriage incredibly hard because it's so incredibly easy for uh, people to contact you. Like, you don't even have to want to be contacted. You can be minding your own business and somebody can contact you and say, oh, you've got pretty eyes or this or that. And, you know, you could be contacted all the time, depending on who you are. And uh, it, that, that requires you to make a choice every time to not follow through on something. And as I like to say, it's easy to say, oh, I'd never do that until you're faced with that decision on a daily basis or a regular basis or whatever. So I'm, I'm with you. I think the advent of social media has created so many opportunities uh, to be sneaky or be deceitful or have people contact you um, that, it's uh, it's made marriage considerably harder than it used to be even 20 or 25 years ago. Yeah, and the, and the reality of it is is that you can sit there and say, because anybody who has had a long, successful marriage, it's not easy, it's difficult, you go through a lot of hard crap, and I think people will sit there nowadays where, oh, I don't, I don't want to go through this. She doesn't understand me. I'm tired of talking about this. And then you reach out to somebody like, oh, my God, you get, and the grass is always greener, right? And, yeah. and I think what people have got to start realizing is it's not that the grass, that your grass isn't green or that the other grass is going to be greener. If you don't ever water the grass that you have, of course, it's not going to be greener. Right. You know, so if you focus your energies on watering the grass that you have, you can have a beautiful yard instead of looking at somebody else's yard and going, well, I don't want to put in the time and effort to make my yard great. I'll just go over here because their yard's already looking pretty cool. Exactly. It's a great exactly. analogy and it's very true. And I think a lot of people do that in marriage. No, I feel you. So pretty awesome, man. 49 years for my mom and dad. So congrats, guys. I, that's congrats, tip of the hat. And, and you never know. I, I still wonder if I can live to be 100, is that still in the cards for me where I could have a 50-year marriage? I don't think, well, I don't want to say that. I think, um, I think you're running out of time. I am. If you put your head down and get to work, I you mean, can still make it happen. I can still make it happen, but I, I'm going to have to live into my 90s at this point. Well, okay, yeah, maybe I will. I, I, I might look into that and, and see how, how far down the rabbit hole I can go and, and see if I can make it to 50. We'll find out. But well, I, got, I got a damn near 30 in my combined. In yeah. my combined, too, I got damn near 30. Okay. So, so you've hey. got it, man. You've made it. No, no, no. I still got some work no, to you do. You got to find some one more, one more <laughs> to get you twenty years or so, and you've got fifty. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And they what? No, you've got it, man. It's it's coming your way. All right, we'll see. I can feel it. All right, we we have something cool to talk about here with with Jacques. But before we do that, we definitely want to tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions. If, if you've noticed those things in your foundation and you're like, well, how the hell do I know? Well, cracks in the walls and the ceiling. You may notice doors that are sticking that didn't used to. You might even start noticing, like, I swear when I walk, I'm kind of like walking off to the side. That's sloped floors. You may have a foundation problem. And the easiest thing to do 
Call the experts. Family-owned, they service all of Dallas-Fort Worth. They specialize in slab. They can do pier and beam foundation repair. They can do your drainage issues, your gutter installations. They do it all. It's HFX Foundation Solutions. And probably the best part about it is you can call them for a free, no-obligation inspection so they can come out and let you know exactly what is going on. I think that you should let Aaron come inspect your house and give it once over. I mean, and here's why. We call it a colonoscopy for your house, and we think it's funny to say it like that. But it's also some truth behind the meaning. Colonoscopy gives you peace of mind, lets you know your body's functioning good. Let Aaron and his team come over, give your house to one over. Get the same kind of peace of mind that your foundation is functioning, that the cracks, whatever you see, oh, it's not the big deal. The soil hadn't shifted. Nothing's, nothing's gone awry. Um, let him do that for you. And then if he finds something, huh, well, frankly, it's good because you typically find it sooner rather than later. You can get it repaired for a fraction of the cost as if you find it later. And if you don't find anything, hey, go pop some bottles and party because you're in good shape. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to make the call, man. 817-770-0174. Online at hfxfoundation.com. Again, it's a free, no obligation inspection. They offer third-party financing. If you do run into a problem, get out ahead of it. HFX Foundation Solutions. Also, of course, Smokey John's Barbecue. Have you tried the Jam Session Bowl yet? If you haven't, my question is, why haven't you gotten over to Smokey John's? We are talking about some of the very best barbecue in the entire country. I mean, it's so good. Good Morning America is like coming to Dallas and, and, and bringing them to New York. <laughs> How cool is that, bro? It is very cool. Uh, very The thing cool. is, there's nothing bad on the menu. Matter of fact, let's make that positive. Everything on the menu is terrific, man. The menu you see, the menu you don't see, which is where you find the jam session bowl on the secret menu. Uh, and if for whatever reason you can't get by Smokey John's, all you got to do is go to the website, click on Marketplace, order the rub, which is terrific. Order the sauce. Matt drinks it straight from the bottle. It is tasty. That too is delicious. And uh, go on with your bad self. But Smokey John's, they do incredible food. Um, and they're good people. Brent and Juan, fantastic dudes. The restaurant is fantastic. The catering is fantastic. There's no good reason not to use Smokey Johns for your next event. Yeah, it's the truth, man. And and, and maybe you you're like the jam session bowl. You're like, oh, it sounds like a lot of food. Just uh, literally anything on the menu. And Jacques and I have had pretty much all of it, all their sides, everything they do. It is elite level Texas barbecue. It's Smokey John's right off of Mockingbird, just north of downtown Dallas. So get on, support those guys. They've been so great with us. We love them. And I think you're going to love them as well. Smokey John's barbecue, man. So you have some cool news involving uh, some of the work that you're doing and an article that you've been working on. Yeah, I'm, um, I've got, I can't tell you guys everything, but I'll tell you about the process because it's pretty cool, but Hey, uh, I got the JJT Media Group. Y'all know that's where, that's where I work now. It's my own company, doing writing and doing personal stories, doing freelance articles for people. Well, I got contacted, I don't know, probably about three weeks ago to do a piece for a major magazine, uh, something that's been on my bucket list, uh, you know, pretty much my whole life. And I got to tell y'all, I just kind of, it's not that I crossed it off my bucket list. I just never assumed I would get to it. Uh, well, they called and they, they asked me to do a project for them. And I said, yeah. And um, I'll give you all some more details when it comes out, probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, but the process, Matt, is is what I wanted to tell you about, because it's so cool, because, 
you know, man, when you're writing a story, you write a story and then you uh, you send it to an editor. An editor looks at it. They may have a question or two. They you, you, you talk it over the question or two that they have and then it, it goes into whatever publication you're, yeah. you're working for. Well, this publication has a reputation for having an editing process that's second to none. So when you get the story and you go out there and you do the interviews, man, this is what I tell young writers, Matt. And it's probably it's probably applicable. You know what, man? I bet I bet we have both done this as well. And I'm thinking like when we had opportunities to do radio show on on uh maybe when we, I don't know, man. When you're first doing radio and you get a chance not just to do Saturdays, but to fill in during the week for somebody like the Hardline or, you know, uh Tim and uh Steve show before we got weekly or whatever. And you go, "Hey, I got to do great. I got to got to really make a good impression." But the reality is you're really just supposed to work the same way you've always worked. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's supposed to be, I do this at a certain level, not like, oh, this is a bigger platform, so I need to do it at a bigger level. Um, but it's easier said than done. So I get this opportunity, and the whole thing is, hey, I need to write this great story. No, you don't. You just need to write the story that you always write, which is always pretty good. The problem comes when you're in the interviewing process and you're thinking, what's the lead? What's the hook? How am I going to bring people in? Because there's nothing standing out. And so you start writing and you're like, oh, my God, where am I going with this? Uh, and so the whole writing process becomes interesting. But what I wanted to tell you about, Matt, was the editing process. So you turn in this story, Matt, 4,000 words. That's a lot of words, bro. Seems normal, like a lot, yeah. The normal story that I write in the morning news is probably the normal column I write is between 650 and 750. Okay. So that gives you an idea about what this is. Um, but so you write the story and I'm like, man, I hope they don't have a thousand questions when they come back. And you know what else this magazine has, which all magazines have, which you don't have for newspapers. They have a dedicated fact checker. Now, ordinarily, Matt, you'd say, well, you, you check all your facts anyway. Well, of course you do. But when you know there's a fact checker, the worst thing you could do would be to turn in a story and the fact checker come back and say, oh, we got 22 questions for you. Because that means you just did kind of a half-assed job with it. Yeah. So I, it's not like I had anxiety, but I was a little apprehensive when you turn it in because you're like – is it really worthy? Will the story be worthy? Will they think it's worthy? Will, or will they be like, the hell did we hire this dude for? This is awful. Um, so even somebody who's done it as long as I have, you have, have as much uh, experience as I have, you can still, when a big time magazine hits you, you can still come in with a little bit of that nervous energy. But um, I turned it in and a guy said, I'm giving you my best editor. I go, okay. Wow. <laughs> And then the editor says, hey, we got our best fact checker working on this, too. And I'm just like, OK. And the editor goes, hey, I'll have a list of questions for you, I'm sure, uh, tomorrow. Well, two days passed and there's no questions. And so I shot him a text. I'm like, am I really that good, bro? <laughs> he sent back. He said, no, we got swamped. Questions are coming. 
so to make a long story short, the process is they send you like these six. They sent me six questions to answer. The fact checker had like four. So that's, not, that's really not very many. Yeah. But what you do, Matt, is you answer those questions. You put it back. You give it back to them. Uh, they insert the answers to the questions in the story. Then they send you the proof again. And so you read the proof. You have any more questions uh, or anything you want to change, you do it. But then they're actually having meetings about your story. Like four or five people in the meeting pick your story apart and say, oh, we came up with five more questions or however many. They send it back to you. You find the answers to the questions. You write them in and insert them in. And then they do the process again, Matt. They have another meeting about your story. They come up with another set of questions. They send them back. You answer them. And finally, they say, okay, here's the final draft. Do you have any questions? And um, it was an interesting process because in, in all writing, but especially magazines, it's all about details that take you from one level to the next. Yeah. And so a lot of the questions they have are about details. And so, you know, sometimes you got to go back and text somebody or look up something or, or do some more reporting to find out the answer to the question. Hmm. So that is a, it's a little bit of a tedious process, but it makes the final product uh, really, really good. And, uh, you know, man, I'm at the point in my career where a lot of what I do is cool, but it's workmanlike. It's not, it's not very many things. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And in a sense, it's because I've had a really, I've had a really nice career in terms of going to a bunch of Super Bowls and World Series and NBA All-Star Games and all this kind of stuff I've done, which is fantastic. But this dude, um, this was out of this world, man. And uh, I'm going to share with Matt because Matt's my special friend. <laughs> <laughs> Since we've been talking on the podcast, there's no lie. Since we've been talking on the podcast... They sent me the cover, Matt. Oh, wow. Damn. And so, you know, that's the part about this project is not only did they ask me to write a story, they gave me a cover story. So because Matt's my special friend, I'm going to send him a copy of the cover uh, as long as he promises not to forward it to anybody. Yeah, I'll just keep it to myself because yeah, we're, don't be I'm, trying I'm, to your, sell this I'm your eBay special either. friend. <laughs> God. Hey, what is that guy yeah. doing over there? Why is his hand in your lap? Oh, he's my special friend. God. Get your mind. I'm Get your mind out of the gutter. My special friend. Matthew. God, sounds like what we would say if we were Sully's in prison. Who's this guy? Oh, he's my special friend. <laughs> no, that would be a lot worse. But here's the drum roll. I'm sending Matt. The only person who's seen this, because I got to be honest with you. I sent it to my dad right away. Boom. I just sent it to you, Matt. That is only for your eyes. Okay. Damn. Nice. That's badass. And here's the dude, man. Look between the players on the left. Yes. No, I saw it. I, I, I've got it. Dude. There it is. Like, see, I didn't expect that. And what I'm saying is, uh, when I was talking to him today and I was doing some, you know, trying to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, the editor said, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, he said, hey, make sure we spelled your name correctly. 
I said, oh, don't worry. I, I checked that first. <laughs> and he said, yeah, because it's also going on the cover. I said, my name's going on the cover? He said, oh, yeah. I said, boy, stop lying. He said, no, I'm serious. I said, dude, this just got better, man. Just got better. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's really exciting, man. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It looks really good, too, I think. I'm gonna have oh, to. Really? I'm gonna have to get that and 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 make sure I've got a, a copy of it for my purposes. Oh, dude, I got I got an autograph copy coming for you. Hell yeah, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, and then hopefully at some point we can reveal exactly what it is and get a little bit more in depth into the whole thing. Yeah, no, we will. And that'll uh, be a lot of fun. Uh, I just not. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how big a secret it is, and so I don't want to be the one to spill it. Okay. All right, now. So, I, but but I also wanted to give y'all some details because I'm dying to talk about it because I have a hard time keeping secrets. Uh, so this feels like I talked without really talking. Yeah. And so you got some good details, but when you hear the rest of it, it'd be like Paul Harvey. Uh, okay. The rest of the story. Uh, hopefully you'll find that just as intriguing. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm up for it, man. Looking forward to it very much so. So before we put this one to rest, I wanted to share something with all you guys because I, so everybody knows I, I do not like AM. I'm not an Aggie fan. And so today on my, on my radio show, all the stuff with Jimbo Fisher that's going on and the back and forth and the contradictings and all this crap that's been coming out about AM and Saban and back and forth. So I created this bit that I did and it's about two minutes long. And the way that I explained it on the radio today, I was like, okay, so I was watching TV late last night. And this infomercial comes on for Texas A&M fans. And it's like, hey, A&M fans, get your Jimbo Fisher doll. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, so I recorded the audio for it. So I'm going to play this for you guys. But here is the audio for the Jimbo Fisher doll. Just in time for college football season. It's the Jimbo Fisher doll. <laughs> Do you love Texas A&M? <laughs> Do you love Jimbo Fisher? <laughs> Before you go to bed at night, do you recite an Aggie yell? Give us fruit. Then the Jimbo Fisher doll was made for you. Imagine being at your ring dunking ceremony and right before you chug a pitcher of beer to get to your ring at the bottom, you bust out the Jimbo Fisher doll for all your Aggie friends with classic Jimbo phrases addressing NIL. I know there's a collective here. I don't know who's got what, when's got what. We never bought anybody. And I just researched this. Of the 11 guys we have in, in placing that came early, one guy has an NIL deal. Or what about his classic social media contradictions? Soon as it's written on social media and someone says it, you believe it. It was written on social media, so everybody believes it. I don't read social media. I don't listen to radio. I don't listen to that. You'll share a barrel of Aggie laughs over his hatred of Nick Saban. Or wait, what does he really think? When he doesn't get his way, the narcissist in him it's ridiculous and it's despicable. Nick is a super guy, great personality. You can take the Jimbo doll to games at Kyle Field. When someone tries to sit down during non-action or television timeout, let the Jimbo Fisher doll handle it. Just let me handle it. <laughs> Not sure how to respond to your other friends who don't go to A&M whenever they ask if going two and four in your own division but beating Alabama is all that matters, let the Jimbo Fisher doll give them the answer. <laughs> yeah. The Jimbo Fisher doll, available now for a limited time for the special price all Aggies will know and appreciate as a special... <laughs> 
to the only Aggie national title, the Jimbo Fisher doll is just $19.39. That's right, $19.39. Call now. Aggie operators are always standing, never sitting, by to take your call. 1-800-001-1939. 1-800-001-1939. The Jimbo Fisher doll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that took me Dude. forever to put that together, man. <laughs> to find all those clips and edit them together and do all that. <sighs> but I went down the rabbit hole on it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. It'll be funny. No, it was uh, it was worth it, man. Because, uh, you know, Jim, can I just say this, man? Jimbo yeah. is so full of shit. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, this whole thing about I, I just researched it. We got 11 guys coming. Only one of them's got an NIL deal. That's because you paid the other ones, dude. Yep. So that's what it is. And nobody's mad at you because those are the rules. So I, I've never figured out yet, and I'd love to ask him, why he's so mad if it's not against the rules? I, 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 I don't just, know. I just don't get it, bro. It really makes it sound like he's doing something wrong. Like yeah, he's, so he's so defiant. defensive. Yeah. He's just so defensive, and all I can do is chuckle, man. Like, dude. What do you, you know, what's your problem? Why do you got so much guilt, man? Did you see, I put out this thread today that I, on, on Twitter, I came across this dude, his name is David Hale, and he writes for ESPN.com. And he says, he had this thread on Twitter today, chatted today with the founder of an NIL agency who shared a pretty interesting story about his early experience in the marketplace that kind of fits with Nick Saban's ire. And he's got these quotes in here from one of these guys in the NIL agency. Last summer, before the football season, we got hired by a media company to bring in six to eight SEC football players to do an appearance on their podcast network. We were asked to spend $500 a week for 15 minutes for each of these student athletes to do these podcasts. So we end up bringing them in. Bo Nix was one of them. Bo was paid $500 a week to go do this podcast for 15 minutes a week, made about $8,000 for the semester. Called Texas A&M. I spoke to an agent representing three or four of their players, including one coming in that was a highly recruited kid. I offered him the same deal. Hey, we're getting $500 a week to do this. Are you guys interested? And they said, why would we do that? We're getting $5,000 a week to do a two-minute radio spot on a radio station in College Station. <laughs> And he says, that's when the light bulb went off in my head that if this, that this is going to change very quickly because if kids are getting paid fifty dollars to $100,000 to do radio spots on some radio station in College Station, that's a joke, right? Like they legit weren't interested because their market and what they could pull in was $5,000 a week. Yeah, so the $500 seemed like chump change. Exactly. And, and so, yeah, Jimbo wants to act like this isn't happening. And there's so many examples of people on the record talking about stuff happening at A&M and Jimbo's acting like, what? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> My God. That's, that's why I can't take him seriously, man. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and nobody it's, cares. Like, nobody cares, Jimbo. I think it's, I think it's the fake indignation. I think, I think that's, that's what, what it is. Yeah, you're exactly that's right. That's what bothers me. It's the fake indignation that bothers me, man. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. So... Thought I'd throw that out there for everybody. I hope you enjoyed this one. And uh, just to let everybody know, with Memorial Day coming up this week, we will do a podcast that will drop on Friday, and then we will not have a podcast on Memorial Day. 
So I'm going to be out of town all weekend. We're going to visit my lady friend's family in Arkansas, and I'm going to have my son with me. We're going to be canoeing and doing outdoor stuff and all that. So we will not have a podcast over Memorial Day weekend. So on Monday, which is actual Memorial Day, when there isn't a podcast, everybody just be aware we just didn't record one. It's it's fine, and we will have another one for you. Again, we'll have Friday. That'll be May 27th, and then our next one will be coming up on June 2nd as we take off Memorial Day weekend. So just trying to let everybody know well ahead of time what the deal is with that. So be ready for that, and we will talk to you again on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.